Hello world! Welcome back to She Spoils It. I am Jaden, still lucky me. Um, I hope everyone is doing good, staying warm, staying healthy and safe throughout all of these times. Um, hope we had good holiday season, very blessed and warm and just full of joy. Um, today we are going to be talking about da, 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 Eternals. So I feel really passionate about this movie. I am excited to finally be doing this episode. In, I'm expecting it to be a long episode because it is a freaking long movie. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Okay, so Eternals. This movie was released in November 2021. It was directed by Chloe Chow. Um, It does star Gemma Chan, Richard Matten, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Kit Harington, a lot of big names, even though they're like hardly on the screen. Um, Let's see, the budget for this movie was about $200 million dollars. And right now, according to Google, the worldwide box office is 400 mil. So they are making money off of this, but it's a Marvel movie. So no surprise there. Yeah, so like I mentioned, I feel very passionate about this movie. But I do question and ask myself, would I have gone to see this movie if it was not a Marvel movie? And I don't know. Um, I probably would not have seen it in the movie theaters, and I probably would not have spent money on it, but maybe when it came on HBO or whatever streaming service it's on, I would probably have watched it, but if it wasn't a Marvel movie, I don't think I would have cared too much, and additionally, I I think it should have been a standalone movie. I think it, I think it should have been, instead of part of the MCU it should have just been like affiliated with Marvel like what if it was Eternals a Marvel story or something like that you know something some kind of spinoff something like that this doesn't really fit into the MCU and I just really feel like they tried to force it to fit into the MCU and I'll I'll elaborate more on that throughout later on but I just essentially mean, like, it could have been its own thing. So I really just knew nothing about the Eternals going into this movie. Like, I had no idea who any of these characters were. I did not know anything about the Eternals. Um, Really, the only thing that I knew about this film going into it was I knew that Thanos was half Eternal like half eternal, half celestial. And that was the only thing I knew. (laughs) So I was expecting to go into the movie and have one of the Eternals end up being Thanos, Thanos mom or dad. Um, And I guess they could still do that. I don't really know. I don't really care. But that's just the only thing I knew going into the movie. So I went into this movie really like blinded, having no idea what was going on. I mean, there's comic books out there, but for Eternals, like as comic book characters, they're just not very popular. However, I did have really high hopes for this film. I know Chloe Zhao and I liked when I really do enjoy her style of film and I liked Nomadland. 
Um, I mean, that was Best Picture last year. So it was a great film. It was a beautiful film. And I think she did wonderful work on it. And I can see a lot of that similarity playing into this film because, I mean, it is her work. But so my mindset was going into Eternals was seeing a lot of her work into it. And I was looking forward to seeing this and kind of just having a different Marvel movie than a typical cookie cutter Marvel movie. Um, So I had really high hopes for this. And I was even expecting this movie to get nominated for Best Picture going into it. I do not feel that way now. (laughs) Let me just say that I do not feel that way at all. So I was just really hoping that Marvel would get this right. And I had such high hopes and I wanted them to get it correct because 2021 was not a very good year for Marvel movies. I'm sorry, but Black Widow was garbage and Shang-Chi was just mediocre. And I wanted this movie to be different. I wanted it to be something that completely shook the culture and it did not. It just flopped. It was just okay. It was really just okay. The movie opens And what's really interesting, and I noticed this on my second watch through, is that this next scene is the only scene that we see all 10 Eternals fighting together. And I think that's really interesting that they chose to have it in the very beginning. And it kind of feels like they just immediately threw this action scene in our face. And we still really have no idea who these people are. Like, I mean, they were not here one second and then now they're here. And that was literally how they were created. Like they were just created like out of a gumball machine by the celestial (laughs) Arsham. And like, literally it was just like, like, bam, bam. Very, very 2001 space odyssey feel right here um, of this domo, like their spaceship headquarters thing where they literally just pop up. And then the next scene moves into all of the Eternals fighting, um, what is supposed to be or what they think to be as the last deviant on earth, which is the big monster thing that they fight. And um, this is a fun scene. I enjoy the scene. They kind of show us each individual's superpowers and it's really cool. Um, I also like to point out in the scene, I really like Makari. Um, Well, I like a lot of the characters, but I like Makari in this scene and I liked how they did her like the fast character. Um, I like how they have her fast motion in the movie instead of like a slow-mo. You know how in other movies, like everything kind of just stops and we see the character moving so fast that everything looks like it's frozen and they're just in regular time. I like how that this movie did not do that because I'm tired of seeing that. All movie, like movies have been doing that for 10 years. So it was nice to see her going fast, zipping and zapping around the screen and like get to see her line of movement rather than that slow-mo. So I just like to point that out. Moving along to present day with uh, Cersei and Sprite. And it kind of is another interesting scene to me because this is where they bring in (laughs) Kit Harington's character. Um, He was Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. I love Game of Thrones. I love Kit Harington. Uh, let's see, his character is Dane, um, and he's kind of playing just Cersei's new boyfriend, because Cersei, played by Gemma Chan, she falls in love with Icarus, which is played by Richard Madden, also from Game of Thrones. This is this is like 
Game of Thrones overload for me, which is another reason why I'm just so passionate about this movie. I love Game of Thrones. Um, really interesting. Anyway, um, so this scene opens up introducing Kit Harrington as Cersei's boyfriend, Dane, as her boyfriend, and we kind of just don't really see him <laughs> any other time throughout the movie. Like we see him in this scene, and then we see him in the post post credit scene. And that's it. And it's like, I forgot he was in this movie, but he's like one of the top paid actors in this film. Anyway, um, so this film introduces that they have another deviant, that they find that there is a another deviant on Earth. Um, so that kind of like lights a fire under Cersei and Sprite's butt and behind. And that's where also Icarus kind of, he kind of just shows up. <laughs> he's such an Icarus thing to do. You know, his character is very very Superman-like. Like, he literally has all of the same powers as Superman. And you know what's even funny? Funny. So funny. They introduce... They they drop the Superman line, the joke in this film. So it really kind of confuses me because then that, that lets us as an audience know that DC universe exists within the MCU universe. Um, yeah, so Icarus just literally just shows up. And then it's and then from there, that point on, right, like the three of them are like, oh, my gosh, the deviants are still alive on this planet. And it's been thousands and thousands of years since the last time that they saw the, the deviant. So they just thought they were gone. Um, so essentially what happens is like Cersei and Sprite and Icarus decide that they have to round up all of the other Eternals and fight the deviants that have come back to Earth because, hey, the deviants are back. They're here to destroy humankind. Like, we need to round up and get together and fight them. <clears throat> so then that's what they start doing. So they start making their way to each different Eternal. Um, and they start with Ajak. And Ajak is played by Selma Hayek. She is the leader of the Eternals of these 10 people. And um, their first point of contact is Ajak because she's a leader and then this is this scene is where they find her dead they just walk in and she is dead outside <laughs> like they had no idea what happened and they literally just stumbled upon her that way which I don't like by the way I think that was poorly written and just really felt off as an audience member like that never happened so it felt I knew something was off. It, it just didn't feel right because if it, like, the Eternals just assumed that it was the Deviant who killed Ajax. Um, as an audience member, you're thinking, where is the Deviant then? Like, where is... So I knew it was off. That that did not surprise me. From there, the Circe, Sprite, and Icarus decide to move on and round up the other Eternals, letting them all know that the Deviants are back as well as Ajax is dead. Um, with... This scene, when Ajax dies, um, her kind of like her soul or her powers, I don't know, the little ball, the little glowing ball that's like in her heart arises out of her and goes into Circe when Icarus wanted it to go into him. And essentially what that hap what happens is like that is like the power of the Eternals. Like that is how the Eternals speak to the Celestials, Arsham, um, who is like their their leader, their god who created them. So with this new power that Cersei has gotten, she now speaks to Arsham. And during this conversation with Arsham, she learns what the actual mission of the Eternals is to do, which essentially is the Eternals are on Earth to defeat the deviants yes but also to 
help with this quote unquote emergence that's happening. And essentially the emergence is this rebirth of another celestial. So another Arsham is like, they have to bring this, this celestial to, to life, but they do it in earth. So in order for the celestial to be born, they have to kill the entire earth. Every single person on earth will die. All of humanity will cease to exist. So Circe is just learning of this. And she then becomes torn with this idea of do I let the human race die in order for this celestial to be born but with the celestial being born essentially what happens is the celestial will then create another galaxy like another literally another universe another galaxy with billions on billions and billions of people um so what Cersei is torn now and the Eternals are essentially going to all have to decide is do we save this one planet full of humans on earth and kill this celestial not allowing these billions and billions of people to ever exist or do we allow this human kind on earth to die therefore allowing billions and billions of other galaxies and existence and other kinds of creatures and so on and so forth other kinds of life exist in replacement of it so it's really torn here and i think this is a super interesting dilemma for marvel and the concept of it is very very just interesting because it it questions your morals and it starts because the Eternals, right, they've been living on Earth for 7,000 years now. Like, they were on Earth for this whole time. Like, they were there from the very beginning. If you believe in Adam and Eve, that's them. Like, they created all of these stories. So, essentially, like, the Eternals, their name are Eternals. Like, they're here forever. <laughs> forever. Like, they go all the way back. These are the people who started everything. In this universe, the Eternals created all of these stories also all of this adam and eve all of the game of thrones all of all of these stories and all of these folk tales all came from the eternals and essentially specifically it was sprite's character the little girl um that's like her superpower and like what she is known for is like spreading um history and like telling the world of what happened and creating all of these names and you know the icarus that's um, mentioned in mythology started and was based off of the Icarus as the eternal, you know, so that's, that's how the creators and how the writers of Marvel and, and like these comic books say, this is how it all created. And that's super just cool to see as an audience and kind of just hear it. I really just love that concept and that, that theme of good versus evil and your morals of, you know, it's kind of like that, that phil philosophical question of you see a train coming down the track and it's going to run over three people or do you pull the lever and put it on a different track and let it run over one person killing the one person or do you ignore it and let it go straight and killing the three people and that's essentially what's happening here but just on a much larger scale in a much <laughs> much 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 larger interface
want to bring up also the involvement of Thanos throughout this, this discussion because, right, so essentially what happens is the human Earth population becomes too much. There's too many people on, or, on Earth. Therefore, that's how this and that and when there are too many people, when it reaches a certain number, I don't know, but when there becomes too many people, that's when this celestial starts to be born and start to emerge. The, the word is emerge, but is be born from Earth. And in order for it to be born, the humans have to die. So it reached a point where there were too many humans on Earth. So from Thanos' perspective of there's too many people on the Earth, I have to kill half of the people. It's nothing personal. Just 50% of everyone have to die. (laughs) When you think about it in relation to this movie, you really have to be honest with yourself and say that Thanos chose the lesser evil. When you don't know anything and you only see you hear it from the Avengers perspective of Thanos is just saying there's too many people on earth. We have to kill half of the people and fix our problems. No, we have to kill half of the people in order to save the entire people, you know? So you're saving, you're killing half, but you're saving the other half. Therefore the other half can live on and continue the human race. But because Thanos did not do it, all of these people came back The blip, on snaps, <laughs> there's more people now. Like this is how it all plays out. And that's where there's such an interesting dynamic. And I really genuinely do not believe it was played out well enough. And I don't think a lot of viewers and a lot of audiences really caught the those stakes, really, that dilemma. I don't think people were torn enough like the Eternals War. I don't think people were able to to recognize Thanos' relationship to this. Now Cersei knows of this. She's learning of this. She's kind of just like, I had no idea. All of the Eternals are oblivious to all of this up until this point. Ajak knew about it and Ajak kind of kept it in and she didn't tell anyone, but she was the leader of the group and she felt it was her responsibility not to tell anyone and to do what she was told by Arisham. Cersei now has this knowledge and she is not necessarily agreeing with Arisham. So now she wants to Go tell all of the other Eternals. So that's what they do. We're finally done with the prologue. And the film has established its characters, its setting, and its storyline. And we are about an hour and a half into the movie. An hour and a half into the movie. That's a full children's film into this movie. (laughs) And we have just finally set the foundation. (laughs) Anyway, that's what I mean by it just feels very slow paced. Like it took a long time to get to that point. But now that they are all together, they're all at Druig's home or club or whatever you want to call that place, like in a forest, and they are attacked by deviants. And one of the deviants is he kills Gilgamesh. And Gilgamesh is like the strong one out of the Eternals. He's great. Um, He's also like the caregiver. I think of him as like the father figure of the group. I think he was so sweet. Of course they had to kill him off. Very stereotypical. The, the, the father figure of the group, the nice sweet guy always dies. Always. <laughs> um, 
So the Deviant kills Gilgamesh, and he can suck up his powers and take his powers from him. And the Deviant will then morph into some kind of human-like form. He's able to talk, and he's able to learn, and able to take the powers away from the Eternals. He can also pass it along to the other Deviants, the other creatures that they have to fight. And the Eternals are seeing this happen for the very first time right in front of their eyes. They're thinking to themselves, oh crap, now what do we do? Like, they're too strong for us. Like, we have no hope. What are we going to do to save humankind? That's when Fastos, who's like the smart one of the group, um, he he introduces this concept of the Unimind, which is so corny, but it's very comic book-like. So I'm okay with it and I like it. <laughs> Um, but this Unimine, essentially, where it's like each of the Eternals uses that little circle or that thing that is inside of them, and they all kind of connect their powers at, at once together, and then they use that power somehow to stop the emergence and prevent the Celestial from coming alive. Oh, this U the Unimine will have a connection between all of the Eternals, which will then give Druig who I also really enjoy. Um, he has like the mind breathing powers with this Unimind. It will give him specifically enough power to put Tiamat, which is who is being born, the celestial being born, put him to sleep with his mind control. But and in this scene, in this moment is where Icarus kind of reveals himself as the bad guy and lets the other Eternals know that Ajax has known this has been happening for forever for all of these centuries and centuries. And then it was Ajax who Celeste, who suggested to Icarus uh, like a week or so ago that maybe this is not a good idea. Maybe we should save humankind. And that was when, that's why Icarus decided to kill Ajax. And he's finally letting the other Eternals know. He's opening up that he's the villain, that he disagrees with the other Eternals and that, the human race does need to die that's what he thinks um so he's finally sharing that with the other eternals kind of switching sides and then sprite i hate sprite sprite was so annoying sprite joins icarus because sprite is just such a little kid and just is really just in love with Icarus and it's so annoying but Sprite literally just agrees because she is in love with Icarus and her entire 7,000 years of existence she's been a child and Icarus has never felt love for her so this was like her way of stepping forward and like committing like this huge act of love for Icarus In this also in the scene is kind of just where the Eternals start to really fight each other and when they take sides and like the battle has kind of begun like this this essentially is the climax of the movie did not feel that way um first watch in my opinion but um so makari is kind of like running around super fast all around earth trying to find where this emergence is taking place and try to let the other eternals know and they find it in the middle of the ocean which i enjoyed i think that was really cool kind of just seeing this huge big celestial just emerging <laughs> literally out of the ocean that was really cool so the original attempt was to put to have druig use his mind powers to put the celestial like the new celestial his name is tiamat 
um, put him to sleep. So that was the original goal, but he's just not able to do that. He's not strong enough. This is just a really difficult fight for him. Um, so what happens is Cersei uses her powers and tries to turn the entire celestial, which is huge. Remember, picture Arsham, huge, turns it into stone or ice or marble. I don't even know what it was, but turns it into some kind of rock <clears throat> and kills it which is just really cool. Um, Icarus then kind of walks onto Cersei and then like just feels a lot of guilt and kills himself and goes into the sun. And that's supposed to be how the mythology story started. Um, like the whole Icarus flow too cr close to the sun that came from this story. This is how, you know, I said like history repeats itself. This is how it all started. conclude i really think that this movie i mean you got to think about it right like the eternals have been around since forever right and seven thousand years of existence is how long this earth has been created and how long the eternals have been on this earth and that's like from the earliest moment on screen that we see to present day is seven thousand years and you really just got to think like how how do you expect to to put 7,000 years of content into a three hour movie, not even three hours, three hours thing with this movie. My biggest problem with this movie is that it did not have time to breathe. I think that this would have done much, much better as a TV show, as a Marvel TV show. Um, I think, and when I say that, I it's really hard for me not to think of WandaVision or Loki or um winter soldier falcon winter soldier and i like those shows i do but those are all very lighthearted and very just casual viewing and they don't they don't read the same feel as mcu movies which is very obvious right like i don't have to tell you that obviously wandavision is a lot different than avengers just the feel and the style of it contrastingly i think eternals would have excelled as a tv show because i think that this slow sci-fi is really really playing out well in cinema and entertainment right now and that goes in terms of like Dune was a huge hit and Eternals kind of came out around the same time, but just did not do anywhere near as well as Dune, but they kind of have a similar feel. Also, Mandalorian, I think, in my opinion, has a lot of that same feel as well. And I would like to think that Eternals would have that same slow pace. I, I wouldn't say slow pace, but that same steady pace that the Mandalorian has. And I think if it were played out into a series rather than a movie, the audience would be able to connect to each of these characters much more deeply. And I think each episode could have been like a new eternal, like season one is all of this prologue that we're talking about, all of that foundation and of them rounding all of the eternals up. Season one finale is, is that final scene of them talking to Icarus and finding out that Icarus is a bad guy and them having to defeat it like this would play out much much better as a series because we as an audience would be able to 
connect with the characters. Like Fastos had a whole family and I wanted to see them. Like we got to see it. Like we saw his husband and we saw his son and we get to see like a little bit of his human life. But that, if it were played out in a whole episode, like think about how much more compelled the audience would feel for this character knowing all about his background and history, like with his husband and his son and Fasto specifically, right? The smart one of the group, like he had a huge part in that nuclear bombs in, in Japan. And he, that's something that he lives with every single day, right? Like he gave humans that creation essentially of nuclear bombs. He introduced it to them. And this is what the humankind did was kill these other people these like your own kind right and fastos really blames himself for that and i think if we were able to see that play out in an episode and see that play out in contrast with his new family and in the present and as well as when sprite and cersei are rounding up you know what i'm saying like all of these but if we are doing that with each character per episode like this would have been a much bigger success story and this would be going on for seasons on seasons on seasons like this could be a beautiful story and I just think overall it really missed the mark my biggest thing is because of that I think it just did not have time to breathe we did not have time to connect with the characters there's just 10 characters on screen there's 10 eternals there's 7,000 years and they're just throwing us so much information in two and a half hours that's just like what do you expect of course it's not going to be good of course I don't care about these characters when they die and of course I just see the movie and I'm still confused because it's just what are you expecting you did not let this movie breathe you did not let it play out because of that a lot of these characters have no personalities they have no arches they have no chemistry they're just very dull we should have been able to see how they were able to influence the world a lot more like I had mentioned the Eternals started everything so all of these connections that we can make back to like like Icarus for example and Cersei and like like they Eternals started they influence everything 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 like they introduced all of these inventions to us too like they it's the Eternals right in this world there is no God I think that this movie will play out very well uh, over the next couple of years. I think that Kevin Feige and the people of MCU and the, you know, you know, the people in the higher up and the, in the Marvel background people, um, I think that they're really going to bounce off of this movie, play off of this movie and mention this movie like in the upcoming movies. And it's going to make the audience watch this movie like over the next couple of years and really start to develop it more and feel for it more. I think that this, movie will age really well I think given that they have some more time to kind of perfect the formula for this film I think that that they're going to be able to do it like I'm picturing right because we think of Iron Man number one versus all the way to like I think like my peak Marvel experience was Endgame and Infinity War and Endgame like so I think of Iron Man, which was a very first Marvel movie to Endgame. And I think about like the dynamics that they have there and like how each movie has built off of it. So I picture like Eternals now, which is brand new story, brand new character, brand new everything, right? Um, and I just picture like where it will be in the future with especially with all of this cosmos and all of this, like, where is it going to expand? And how is Feige going to build off of this and make this movie um, age well? And grow with us so I think that will be really interesting um 
some things that some positive things that I really just loved about this movie was I just loved the concept that they just like they they bit off more than they can chew by trying to make this into a movie. I, I say that my overall goal is it should have been a TV show. But with that being said, I admire their challenge and I admire that they try to do this. And I just really do um like I, I just admire it. I think that's great. Additionally, the visuals of this movie were stunning. Like one thing about Chloe Chow is that she takes movies in their natural settings and she doesn't have to play up all of this big CGI background, you know, like for example, like Doctor Strange, like Doctor Strange had all of the planets and or excuse me, the buildings and stuff like upside down and the CGI was all around the background of the characters, whereas in Eternals, like the setting spoke for itself. Like they traveled all around the world to film this movie and it speaks volumes. It is gorgeous. It is stunning. That's that's what she did in Nomadland. Like it is, Chloe Chow just has a way with just cinematography. I promise you, like she's just out there. Um, another thing I really love is the costumes of this movie. Like they are just like eye-dropping eye-dropping what <laughs> jaw-dropping eye-opening like they are beautiful absolutely beautiful I don't know anything about costumes and how you make costumes and whatnot but I know that those costumes are gorgeous I was reading about them and I found out that they are hand-painted as well like individually for each character and I just love that I just think that's great I hope that they get nominated an Oscar for costumes specifically because I'm just stunned i just love it so much um i also just i really do like the diversity that's just something that i personally love about all movies all everything it's just a diverse cast i like that one of them is gay they got a couple black people they got someone who has a disability um they got someone who has the mad weary like there's every single person is different and i really do love that and it's just like it's not just like oh one gay person and one black person and everyone else is the same no it's like actually diverse like it's a real diverse cast and i just in in many other in many ways like race and sexual orientation and gender i don't know whatever like so overall score was really difficult for me to come to but i have decided that this movie is probably about a 76.4 percent in my head on rotten tomatoes which is okay it's about a c plus eh, you passed you're okay it's just mediocre it's just average could have been way 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 better let me know what you guys think do you agree with that score do you think that this movie was a good movie or do you think that this movie was a bad movie do you think that maybe it would have played out differently on a tv show and also i really want to know what you guys think with thanos involvement and in, with the eternals like if thanos had did the snap like would you agree with that i i care to know yeah so reach out to me i'm i'm not <laughs> i'm not some celebrity like if you wanted to talk to me, you can talk to me. It's not that hard to find me. <laughs> I'm a phone call away for most of y'all. So let me know what you think. Let me know what movies you guys want me to do next. Couple recommends right now. My favorite movie right now is Tick, Tick, Boom. It is a musical. It is starring Andrew Garfield. And it is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, just absolute great movie. Also, TV show I'm watching right now is Arcane League of Legends. Just, just I adore that show. I just 
really just adore it. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It's just stunning. I'm about to watch it for a third time. I'm going to play the video game now. Like, I'm obsessed. So, thank you guys so much for checking in and listening. I appreciate y'all. Um, stay warm and stay safe at these times. Uh, stay classy. I'm just kidding. I don't know how to close these. Thanks. Bye.